Hello and welcome to the Where We Left Off podcast. I'm your host, Austin Gall, here with my co-host, Tommy Hanlon. The two of us have been working together for more than 10 years in the music industry, from managing a DIY venue to traveling the Midwest throwing parties. We've met some pretty interesting people along the way. This podcast is dedicated to conversations with artists and road dogs we have formed friendships with and see time and time again. We pick up where we left off. Tom, it's good to see you over there, man. How are you doing? Yeah, man, I'm doing well. I really enjoyed our last convo, man. Michael, uh, Michael Barr from Volumes. It was really good. I went back after that podcast for any of those who are interested and watched a whole bunch of uh, Commons eras, Commons era videos. Our friend Kyle Benecki filmed almost every show we had during that time period. So I had a fun time doing that this last weekend. It's, it's, you know, like every once in a while, like throughout the years, I'll go through and like watch those videos as, as I get bored enough to do it. And it brings back so many good memories, man. We had a lot of fun doing that. I'm glad that we're I'm glad that we're still talking about it here. But we wanted to try to go to go in order of uh, appearance for our first two guests. So after a couple of reschedulings, uh, a friend of ours had a baby that was born. He was supposed to be on the podcast. We finally locked down a guest, and I think there could be no one better to bring on uh, in the beginnings of this podcast rather than the person. Um, that we're about to bring on Randy Edwards. For those of you who don't know who Randy is, he's a phenomenal freelance photographer and a musician, someone who I uh, have believed in since we were kids, someone I really pushed to get out of his comfort zone of doing a bunch of local shit at the commons, uh, making videos, music videos, shooting photos and go bigger. Really excited to have him on today. One of my oldest friends that I've uh, made doing this. So yeah, Tommy, I mean, you have a long relationship with uh, Randy as well. Yeah, um, a little hot. I remember uh, when Randy first started coming to shows, or at least when I first started noticing him, um, you know, I think he even had to pay for some of the first ones. But we quickly, you know, saw the talent he he held and, and also just how genuine of a human he was and let him in in exchange for some promo shots. Um, but he he transformed from the weekend concert photog to a national name in the touring world, you know, working from with artists from animals as leaders Polini, three days grace straight from the path volumes five finger death punch like even steve Vai, and the list just goes on randy is someone who when touring is happening is always booked and speaking from experience i tried to get him out with some grandson things and he was booked like a year out at the time and i was just like oh okay i don't think we have anything figured out that far i'll get back to you man Randy's really someone that we've <clears throat> it, it's crazy to think about like all the people that we've grown up with over the years and like and, and for lack of a better way to explain it just like people who have gotten out of the local bubble and like started to do things that are in like more of like a national scope in the industry yeah yeah it's really fun to have it's really fun to have him coming on because he's He's always been someone that I've really just admired for like the absolute grind that he's put into everything that he's done. You know what I mean? Like it's Oh yeah, a thousand percent. Yeah, it's been like feet to the floor spending his own money, doing his own thing and literally getting a career based off of, you know, going to shows, paying to get into our shows cuz I really didn't know who Randy was at first when he started coming to these shows. I feel really bad looking back on that. I sh- there's there's no way that we should have been making Randy pay <laughs> to get into those shows, but I mean I, that's got to pay your dues. I digress, Tommy, go ahead. <laughs> um but yeah, no. Uh his story, like you're saying, is somebody uh whenever people ask me how to get involved in the music industry, um randy is like one of those prime examples of just where hard work gets you um starting at diy venues like ours shooting local shows and regional acts getting in with promoters to cover all those shows 
you know, making connections with bands as you brush elbows with them, whether they're small or big, just taking opportunities as they come, climbing that ladder um, and just solidifying a foothold that he's up until the pandemic been able to have a very, you know, good blossoming career from. Um, and I think <laughs> thinking back to him showing up at those like early shows with like a Canon rebel and like the <laughs> off brand flash to where yeah. he is now today, or at least pre pandemic. I just wanted to say how uh, incredibly proud I am of a fellow Omaha alum who made it to the next level. I'm clapping um, right now. If you can't hear yeah. it. Congratulations. Yeah, we're both so proud of you, Randy. So now that we've inflated your ego a bit, um, welcome to the show. How have you been? You know, all things considered. Uh, it's been good, dude. It's been like a, it's like throwing a wrench in the tire or a wrench in the gear, I guess, you know, a stick in the tire. Um, unexpectedly. And, you know, funny enough, the day that the world kind of started to lock down, Tommy and I were in the same hotel on separate tours working for different bands. Uh, we met in the lobby to like get coffee or something and saw each other and we we're like, dude, what's up? What's up? And then the world was canceled. <laughs> right? yeah. Like it was kind of crazy. Like, uh, you know, I've just been at home. I moved into a new house. Like uh, as soon as that tour that we were kind of the tours we were on canceled. So like, it's the first time I've been in a new house and then been here every day and not like kind of been on the road a lot or like just traveling for shoots or like this or that. So like, I mean, I've been good, like adjusting, um it's crazy it's been just about a year since i left for the last tour that i was on so like it's uh very unexpected but i mean at this point like what can you do like we all missed yeah. it like if anything i'm just thinking of all the floor shows and all the vfw shows they're going to be popping off and like oh yes all the like local underground sold out like local metalcore shows like i'm hoping that it's going to be like a resurgence of like the appreciation for that and less about like any sort of click yeah, through, like, this through that. Like, yeah. Uh, I, I, I thought the same thing the other day, Randy, it's funny that you say that because I really hope people are out there making music right now. You know what I mean? Like, I hope everybody's like learning how to play like a guitar or like more so like artists that are already established. I hope they're all like going full force into writing this year and they're going to come back with like a vengeance next year. Cause like after, you know, historically and like talking in like, you know, politically charged talk i mean historically after an event like this like after 9 11 like music like surged you know people were like really fired up over like the government and like it's yeah. it's the same it's the same thing now you have like you know the black lives matter marches over like this last summer and you have like a pandemic that is like ruined everybody's lives people are really pissed off so i i'm hoping at the the tail end of this like pandemic people just come out with all this new music and everybody comes out with like a passion to like you know gather yeah, around music again yeah i mean i think a lot of people have a lot of stuff to say i mean a lot of people are struggling and i i can kind of speak to both ends of it but like to like where i want to be more creative because we're in a pandemic and i want to like a like document what's going on currently and then b just be working on music and stuff but then on the flip side of it it's like well there's a pandemic like what is really the driving force to do anything like like there's no like show to go play for your band you can do like one live stream maybe but like not a lot of bands are doing that regularly or like capitalizing on it regularly it's like one event so like it's, it's so it's so played out at this point dude like it, yeah, and, like, yeah like, and like all like code orange already did the sickest stream like Bleed yeah from the <laughs> like, already, the, like, like the first week of quarantine like yeah and like bleed oh, from within oh, already did a stream with pyro like architects already did royal albert hall like you can't under, really oath, under oath did the, their their thing which was unbelievable 
yeah dude like a lot of bands have done cool shit but none of it's become regular and then my buddy thaddeus who does merch for a lot of bands like he, oh oh we know we know thaddeus, thaddeus very well yeah so he was out with that uh that uh, what's his name mark rubio not that's the politician i th- this guy's name is mark <laughs> loop guy mark yeah. uh, the, the, crazy, the crazy internet sensation um he was hilarious, doing the hilarious guy by the way yeah um plug that guy because he's a he's a national treasure so Thaddeus was out doing his drive-in tour with him in May, and that was kind of seeming like that would be a possibility. Like it was sold out at drive-in movie theaters across the country, but then I kind of haven't heard anything, and now it's like January. So like, there's there's been inklings of hope, but I think at this point, it's like when we're allowed to do what we do, it's going to be cooler than ever, and people are trying to innovate, but like, I don't I haven't seen anything stick yet, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. There's it, just no replacing a live event like like a concert or like a there's no better like, feeling dude. yeah it's the, when really the arts can come back there will be like such a renaissance of it that yeah we're we're gonna be so busy that looking back on the past two years we'll be like wow that sucked but but i think this last year's made me realize like me personally that i kind of needed it just because like i was kind of out of balance with how much i was touring like i just i don't know being home and like like being home with like my girlfriend and like we got a cat this year it's like just like some like human shit that i was kind of like neglecting because it was more just about like what's the next tour and then like i was on the road like 80 percent of my time and like yeah obviously now looking back i should have been appreciating it but like i know that it will be back but it just sucks real hard right now (laughs) yeah i i totally understand what you're saying too randy i mean i think we all have it we all have it on our own levels like my touring is a lot different than your touring and Tommy's t- touring is a lot different than your touring. Right. right. But I, I totally agree that like, it, it, it's crazy to just think about like how much time we've all spent away from home in our twenties, you know, I mean, there's varying degrees to it, like I said, but like for me, it's super crazy because I think I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Like, I, I think I was completely out of balance with how I was trying to set up my, you know, my job with emo night and like being home to do shows. Like I was running myself dry being gone literally every weekend. So I was working like a, a, a weekday job from Monday to Friday. And then like Thursday night, we would pick up, pack our bags, leave, and I would be gone. I would have no social life at home. And like, I would be tired as hell when I got home on Sunday after like our weekend run. And like, I would just crawl into my bed until Monday and then like, just keep repeating it over and over. So I agree. It's, there's varying degrees to it for sure because you're you've been all around the world i've been all around the midwest but like it, it's really nice to it's been really nice to have that time off to find the balance and figure out if you don't know what your next move is going to be after the pandemic after having like 12 or like 15 18 months to think about it then like you obviously like <laughs> maybe you should quit music but i mean yeah. i i have a firm idea of like what you know what i'm gonna do when i when all this comes back I mean, it's gonna be very balanced it's gonna be very responsible you know because we're all heading into our 30s now you know we all have to Speak really consider the amount of time that we're spending away from home you know because like you know like you know being gone from home the last couple of years has had a dramatic effect on my life you know i've ended relationships oh, yeah. i've ended friendships it's caused a ton of friction in in you know in a bunch of areas in my life but it's been so enjoyable, but I'm looking forward to getting back into a more steady diet of, of, of being away from home. If you know what I mean? Just like the stuff that we like have wanted to do our whole lives, dude. Like, I don't know. It's kind of, it's, 
crazy to look back at doing photography on the road with like bands that I love listening to as a career. And now that you don't have it, like you don't know what you have till it's gone. And then it's kind of like you're back to being like a 13 year old kid in your bedroom, imagining what it's like to be on stage and shit. Like hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, mean, it's, it's, it's a weird complex to have with yourself too. You know what I mean? It's like, you'll be like in front of the mirror one morning and just be like looking. And I, 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 I see like pictures in my head when I look at myself in the mirror, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, I yeah. see like a picture of like a crowded, like emo night room or behind me or something or, or something like that. It's just not to yeah. sound like too ego driven, but it's, it's like, you miss it. You know what I mean? Like you miss having like that, commu- think, that community around you, you know, like your family. It's, it's, I, it's, I think it's fair to miss it, you know, because like, I mean, a, it's a career that like, it's an opportunity that not every person gets in their life to work a career where you don't absolutely despise it. Like, truthfully touring like i was touring with some artists where like you have to consider that when you're on tour with artists for a month at a time like you're living with your boss and like i just imagine living with a shitty boss and like i've had that happen one too many times to where i was getting a little jaded about touring truthfully towards the end so this has really put it into like perspective for me that like i need to be more picky about who i spend the majority of my time with a and b i can survive not being on the road because like i was a photographer before touring was a possibility but it's been like a long time of this is like all I've had to do for a living and now it's gone. So like, I'm, it's good to have to reinvent yourself a little bit and know that you can also survive without what was the norm. Yeah, for sure. And I totally agree with that too. I think my friend George Schmitz from stick to your guns, put it beautifully on his podcast um, a couple months back. It's like, you know, we all have been so invested in music since we were like 15, you know, a lot of our identities have been wrapped up in going to shows, selling out for the scene, essentially, you know what I mean? And it's, <laughs> I think, I think it's been, it's been hard for a lot of people, not only in the touring community, but in the local scenes as well to kind of be like, take a step back and be like, holy shit, man, like, maybe this is too much of my identity. Maybe I need to like pull back and be like, evaluate other parts of myself, you know? And I think it's the quarantine has been great for me for that. Like I've, I've started golfing again. Like, you know, yeah. like I, I've, I've, re- I've really rediscovered some hobbies that like, that have really fallen by the wayside. And I think it's made me like a happier person. I mean, do you, have you experienced anything, any feelings like that? Uh, I think so. I think more so like a funny thought that came to mind when you were saying that is imagine having like this conversation or hearing you saying that like in the heat of the shit, like 10 years ago when you're booking shows and then you're like, shows are gone we don't get to go to shows and i'm almost healthier and happier because of it like it's again 100 percent, dude 100 percent. like i think i think it's been a really good time for everybody not just myself like i've known a ton of people that have done a ton of growing over quarantine a ton of positive change to like themselves and breaking some like bad habits that like we've all had since we were kids like i've <laughs> i'll fully admit like i've i've quit drinking I mean, I, I'm holding like a drink in my hand right now. It's Sunday at 1230. So I usually have like a drink now, but like I've quit drinking a ton. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, yeah. yeah, like my alcohol consumption is down to 5% of what it was. And like, yeah, I don't just, even just purely, that much on tour, yeah. but it's just the nature of it. Like, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, like you, you show up to a green room. There's, I mean, especially on the tours that you're on, you're, you show up and catering is immaculate and you're like, okay, free alcohol all night. You know, like it's, yeah. just, it's just there. It's hard to, it's hard to avoid it, you know? Even if even yeah. if you don't drink much. 
well that and then you're living with the same people and then if you're living with same people that kind of get you into the mindset of i could drink to make this better well <laughs> so we, right we go right. back to the habits of healthy habits and this and that and like yeah it's it's made me think about not going living with just every band because there's a paycheck tied to it because like it it really was like affecting my life in some cases like obviously some artists are like my friends for life but then some people are were just like clients you know sure yeah, yeah. There was like some tours where like I was so stressed because of just personality conflicts or this or that that like I like literally had like a bald spot on my chin that like developed and then it like came back like never confirmed if it was like health related to that but I was just so stressed and like not getting along with like the four bands I was working for on the tour and like dude it's crazy it's crazy dude because I don't I I think <clears throat> I think it's lost on a lot of people uh, over the years that like mental health while you're touring is so volatile you know what i mean because like if you have a bad day and you're so far away from home like i think about it like when we were in milwaukee and my mom called me and told me my grandma died like i i i was busted you know and i was only like 10 hours away from home but like i think it's super important that we all like when we go back into touring and go back into the music world post pandemic that we are all very very top of mind caring about mental health you know what i mean and and i i think i'm still getting there i'm still getting to the point where i'm i'm gonna you know make positive changes for when stuff comes back i think it's it comes in waves but i think you know we all really have to think about what that mental health picture looks like when this all comes back so we can treat ourselves better going forward and have better balances in yeah. our lives that's kind of a yeah, ta- it's kind of a side tangent but yeah totally it's, agree with that it's not talked about enough um i would say it's becoming more known though like i think more bands are using their kind of platform to preach that like i was on the, the azalea dying tour like last november and we had a uh, heart support out which uh they're like a tour sponsor you know like they set up a, a merch booth and they basically if someone's coming to the show and they feel like they need to reach out to be like a professional to talk because they're struggling with this or that or you know relationships or a loss or depression or anything like they have a booth and like there's people coming out and like confiding and like also their favorite band members so like it's kind of like their hero is like listening to them like you know in a sense like which you can't forget that like musicians are that for younger people and like anyone really like there's like older people that yeah i was gonna say it's not it's not just it's not just young people like some of my like i still get starstruck meeting some of my favorite musicians you know what i mean like some of the some of those people that we've worked with for emo nights i've been so starstruck and you know like shane told from silverstein it's one of my like he's a good friend of mine now and he's definitely a hero you know what i mean like it's so crazy to think about I mean, there's so many levels to that kind of like aspect of heroes and then working with your heroes. Like, I mean, for me, it starts with like volumes, dude. Like volumes was that band for me when I was in high school and like, like seeing volumes for the first time and adding Diego on Facebook and his profile photo was him like in a desk in high school and shit. Like, you know, and like, yeah. And then like to be touring with those dudes and then you have them and then you know them for 10 years. And then like the people you meet along the way and like getting starstruck, like, it definitely happens, but then it's cool to like be chill about it when it's happening. And then I don't know. It's just yeah, like, exactly. I think as you, I think as you get older, it, it, it definitely helps though. You know what I mean? Like you, you had enough experiences in that realm. It's like, okay, I can meet like one of my biggest heroes of all time and be like, chill about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it's, it's a trick to think about. 
I think, yeah, I, I agree. And I, it helps for me, I guess my first tour that I went on was 2013. So I would have been like 19, I guess, with that band Evelyn from Chicago. I don't know if you remember them. Like yep, then they morphed, they morphed into like Lion Fight and all those like kind of that style of bands. And even at the time, that was a band that I was like a fan of and then just met them on tour coming through. It was like Evelyn and Broadway. I'm sure you guys booked that. Uh, I, I, I have booked Broadway before, but I did not book that show. But yeah, I remember that show, the Broadway singer was doing front flips across the stage at Sulco Underground and shit. And a, a v- extremely under criminally underrated band. That guy's voice. <laughs> if, if honestly, okay. When we were kids, they, they were making some pretty cringy music, but if had they developed that, that guy's voice was nuts. He, he was literally he, doing front flips and like singing while doing it. Holy shit. Woo. They play like Okay. Notes. Okay. So here's a here's a decent transition here. The first show Superior ever played was with Broadway. It was a Broadway uh I see stars, we came as Romans of Mice and Men tour. Whoa. Yeah, chew on that one. So That's me and Randy, m- yeah, me and Randy uh share a very weird uh similarity here in the fact that we both have played in superior i think i i I laid this out in our first episode there's a lot of people that have played in superior dude i think it's like 15 fucking yeah there was a lot do a whole podcast of just superior guests (laughs) we should we should we should should fucking do that all the face the face tiles here on zoom yeah i guess i joined superior i mean relatively at the end of its life ultimately but yeah but probably arguably the best period of superior for sure there's, my, my there's first no there's no arguing superior, that my my first show with superior was the commons last show ever. oh yeah wow yeah. shit <laughs> RIP. yeah yeah fuck man that's that's crazy that was your first show i remember a specific conversation that we had uh it was crazy because i randy and i i don't say this to be like like attach myself to you in any way, but like I felt like a mentor to you when I was when I was a little bit younger. You know what I mean? Like what are you, 26? 27, yeah. 27. So yeah, you're like two years younger than me. But like I always felt like I was like a mentor to you until you broke out and like did like finally got out of here. You know what I mean? Like I was constantly just being like, dude, get the fuck out of here. You have talent. Go, go, go. What <laughs> yeah, what do you what do you think about maybe submitting a bill to me right now? for payback for all of these shows that i made you <laughs> get in that i made you pay to get into mentor sessions yeah i'm sure there's probably paperwork of all the shows you let me into you know i don't know <laughs> i think it's more so how much money i probably need to pay you back <laughs> you know what i mean because like all this work dude honestly like a lot of the a lot of the hype and I, and I think this is true for every line of work that you get into, but if you have some, in terms of the music industry, but if you have someone with you that is creating good content, it's it, it boosts whatever you're doing times 50. You know what I mean? And like, we had no business selling out some of those shows that we did at uh, the Commons, but like, because Randy was there, like helping us perpetuate what we were doing at the Commons, it really it really boosted it gave a massive boost to what we were doing and i think that speaks volumes to to your creative talent and what you've been able to do in your career because it takes a special person to be able to do something like that and all the because i because we work in so many markets you know we work in st louis we work in omaha lawrence kansas city texas you know i see all of these content creators and 
I, I feel so lucky that we got to grow up with you, grow up with you having that talent because it was such a boost to everything that we were doing at the time because we were both building together. You know what I mean? So, I mean, talk a little bit about like what it's like to build a career from literally the ground level, being broke half the time and then being able to support yourself off of your career that you have built with your own money. Like not a lot of people do that. Like, I think that's something that is very unique about, about a lot of the people um, that we've worked with over the years, including yourself is that you've invested thousands upon thousands upon thousands of hours and money to get to the point where you are. So for all those aspiring photographers out there or aspiring entrepreneurs, give them a little piece of advice as to what it means to really put your nose to the ground and really grind out a career. Um, I, I guess for me specifically, it started with like a crazy obsession with photography. And like, I mean, that's what led me to really want to learn everything about it ultimately is like this like base obsession which like I came into photography with the background in music but going to your shows and like wanting to photograph it and be a part of it and then like I don't know I've been such a music fan growing up I'd always see these like backstage photos of like Metallica or like Iron Maiden or whatever and I always wanted to be like that fly on the wall in those situations capturing that just because as a musician myself, I'd already kind of dealt with photographers that are just photographers, but they're not like oriented in the music world. Like you have to be able to negotiate and kind of have like some street smarts to like be in those rooms, like where it's like lockdown access and stuff. And that was like always the dream. But for me, I wanted to just be making a living off of photography. So, I mean, dude, my first job I ever got with a camera where I made money was working at Nightmare on Q Street, that haunted house. Yeah. For, for those of you who don't know what that is, it's a it's a haunted house in Omaha. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> a very a very DIY spot if I've yeah. ever seen one. <laughs> dude, it was honestly kind of fun, though, because like it was like a Craigslist ad that they needed and I took the job and I like had my camera with like a remote clicker and I was also dressing up as like a Halloween fool and I was like scaring people but then hitting the clicker and taking reaction photos for like the haunted house's social media and shit and it, dude it was like 20 bucks a night or something it was like not money but that was like all the money I was making you know and then going to the shows and basically I was always cool to pay to get into shows at the beginning because what I was doing was hitting up every band on the bill and I was like yo I'll shoot promos for 20 bucks or like I'll shoot promos for a guest list, even though guest list wasn't even a thing at most of these shows. It's just like a floor show. It's like guest list. What? Like, get out of here. Which yeah, it, 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 perspective is always good in these situations too, because <clears throat> dude, I, I mean, we talked about this in the first episode. We were losing so much money during those days. Like the, oh, yeah. the, the misconception that like I was some rich kid, like making money off of shows is such a, a crazy, crazy, crazy fairy tale. <laughs> but like every person yeah. that would walk up, I was like, yo, that's a walking dollar that I could have in my pantry next week. You know what I mean? So everybody that came to these shows was like, you know, like I, I was trying my best to get $10 out of them. You know what I mean? And yeah. and it got to the point where you were getting guest listed like literally every show. I was just like, hey, Randy, what's up? Come on in. <laughs> like I wouldn't yeah, even ask for it. Like, you would Ben Semish for like the two, like the two people. Oh, yeah. I mean, I always wanted to be Ben Semish also at the time because he was just at every <laughs> show shooting shit. And then I wanted to be Kyle Beneke because he was at every show shooting shit. Like there was like these like local people that like were already doing the shit that I wanted to do. That was like ultimately like 
the next step. And then at the time I was always torn like 50, 50 between playing in a band or doing this photography thing. And like, I was kind of just waiting for like, I was kind of putting equal effort into both. Like I was playing in superior and in another band, narrow hearts from Milwaukee. So I was like constantly driving around, like going to band practice for both bands and then like scheduling shoots up there. If I was up North for a week or whatever, and just kind of doing both. And then, you know, like actually just still kind of trying to stay focused in the music world ultimately. And then, I guess it would have been 2015. I'm a, I'm a huge Intervals fan, right? And I reached as, out. As we all are. It's the best music. It's like anime pump up instrumental music. Like, you know. Like, so amazing. So I'm a huge Intervals fan. They were playing the Bourbon Theater with Protest the Hero and like Battle Cross and like someone else. And uh, I, I reached out to, to Aaron's management on facebook which was brett powell at the time which brett powell was the drummer for the human abstract who was now an artist manager who now owns and runs 1720 a venue in los angeles so like yeah. kind of stay connected with them and they've kept me busy too and it's, it's crazy how that world gets connected down the road because i ended up living with brett who is aaron's manager for a while in la like living on his couch and shit and helping run his airbnb it's just like so funny how like you can go down these like passive people in the music world but basically my start in touring and making money and not having to pay my mega bus ticket to a city to make no money on tour was intervals um dude hold on fuck mega bus dude i ever taken that to chicago dude, jesus oh, yes. christ yes oh the two dollar ticket on the way to des moines and then you stop in iowa city and oh. chicago i remember with my with my ex i i had taken that trip like on a vacation once and i was like hey let's just take the megabus it's like a dollar worst experience worst i hate megabus i took it several times i I probably took it like a total of six or seven times like it's they used to have it was a dot it was if you got your ticket in time it was like less than 10 bucks round trip to get to chicago and back that is absurd that is an absurd amount of money to get in there back yeah, for someone that's like, I'm going to do a job on the road where you're paying to get there and make nothing. Like, yeah, you got to do that. That's all, it's all like right. all you see when you see that when you see that ticket is like, holy shit, this is gonna save me like three hundred dollars. You know, it, so there. of course you take it, and then you don't realize you get onto the bus with a bunch of a bunch of fucking weirdos, and you're like, I mean, this was a bunch of choice. Three hundred dollars, so you know it puts you in an interesting situation instantly. <laughs> yeah, the only time I ever took the mega bus, the fucking bus driver like ate, literally like pulled off on the first stop in Iowa or whatever, like got out, got a giant burrito, and we all saw it. And I, I think everybody on the bus kind of had the same like, oh no, this guy's gonna, this guy's gonna ride. take a shit. <laughs> oh, the whole ride he was ripping ass, and luckily we were like far in the back. But he was like rolling down the bus window every time he would so like the bus pressure would just go and your ears oh, yeah. would pop so like couldn't fall asleep but it was like every 15 minutes dude would crack the window because he farted we've had, <laughs> we've had that happen on the tour bus before we were trying to smoke weed in the top and we would pop the hatch and that would fuck the pressure and it would suck pee smell through bunk alley oh, <laughs> oh dude oh. yes the, the piss uh, smell of buses is not missed. I guess that's dude, okay. But but for but for real, the the mega bus from Omaha to Chicago overnight is a rite of passage for any grinder out there that has oh, yeah. that has come from Omaha. Dead ass. That is. I mean, it's, it's just a fact. 
one, I mean, one of my favorite memories was coming back from that first tour with that band Evelyn and editing my photos on that mega bus back home. So it was only, it was like a tour, but it was like seven shows or whatever. But I was like, damn, I did it, you know? And like, right. I was coming back with like maybe a hundred dollars. And like my move on that tour, unfortunately, was putting like two or three frozen pizzas in a frozen box and then scanning that at the checkout. Cause I was like, Dude, I'm not making money and like, I need some food. Like it was rough. And like, I don't condone shoplifting, but you know, we definitely did it at the time. <laughs> oh, if, if, if from if Walmart. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. But if you're saying that you've never stole from like a self checkout or anything, like you're, you're a complete liar. <laughs> right. So I mean, no. stuff like that puts it into perspective. Right. And then, so in 2015, I'm a big intervals fan. I'm still at this point, I'm really starting to like want to tour as a photographer, I think is like when I'm starting to think about it is like 2015. I reached out to intervals because they're playing Lincoln and uh, same situation. I'm like, yo, can you guest list me? I'll drive down there and shoot promos for you guys. If you guest list me and uh, I get there and his band is like all over town. Like one guy's at the gym working out in his late, some guys at like, you know, at a restaurant getting food. So he's like, sorry, like, you know, guest list, shoot the show, like stay in touch, get whatever merch you want. And then, I don't know, we didn't really stay in touch. And then fast forward to like February, 2016, Aaron hits me up and he's like, yo, I want to bring you out on tour. Like he was doing his new headliner, like intervals headliner for the shape of color album. And he wanted to do like daily video recaps. So basically it was like, we're going into a 34 day tour and I'm going to make 34 videos, like one a day, like a minute long and just capture everything. And I don't know. He was just the first guy to like give me an opportunity on the road with like a paycheck and like, like a vision and like content to make. And like, we had a whole tour of content to make ahead of us. And it was like super fun. And like, it was my first time going to Canada, like working with an international artist. And it was an artist that I was a huge fan of. And then, you know, we kind of just clicked and his next tour after that was uh, supporting animals as leaders in Europe and the UK like July, August, September that summer. And Animals was looking to hire a photographer videographer who I'm not sure who it was. And Aaron basically just plugged me to the guys and they were like, this is the guy you need. And they took his word and I was in Ireland. I don't know if you guys know Mike Speck. You remember him? Yeah, like yeah. yeah, yeah. So he had just moved to Ireland with his, at the time, fiance. I don't know if they were married quite yet and they were, having their first baby. So he flew me to Ireland to kind of like document like the process around them having their first child and like, you know, being in the home around that time and stuff. And while I'm out there with them, Javier calls me and he's like, yo, Aaron says you're the guy, like, can we fly you to Europe next week for like a, like a, like eight week Europe tour. So like, like Aaron plugged me for animals and then animals has taken me on probably like, I mean, they've taken me to like 30 plus countries probably at this point. So like, I mean, literally just through Aaron Marshall plugging me from intervals from like reaching out for band promos a couple of years ago, like he like this is the ultimate plug. So like, I mean, anytime I'm like talking about this, I have to plug Aaron because he's like my boy for life, you know, and it led to just like working with another band that was like a huge thing. And like, it was so cool, like bringing my parents to meet animals as leaders because like my mom has paid, like bought so many of their shirts on her credit cards and shit. She's like, I know. And like, you know, my stepdad is who introduced me to guitar playing and guitar virtuosos. Like he kind of showed me who Joe Satriani was and Vi and Petrucci. So to go like shoot in Vi's house and shit, like my parents like understand the realm of that, thankfully, because like it's kind of hard to like convince your parents that you're going to be a photographer for a living. But then like, yeah, totally, totally get it. 
I think we've, yeah. we've, all, we've all gone through that, like, yeah. in our own way. Like, it took my parents coming out to emo night to understand what the fuck was going on. You know what I mean? It yeah, took, dude. I mean, it took Tommy's parents, like, until, you know, his they job with out. grandson, you know, yeah. to be like, okay, we get it now, you know? Right, <laughs> like, you're doing something legit, dude, and, like, right. it's cool. Like, my parents have always kind of been behind me in that regard because they're, like, down with music. Like, they've been driving me to see shows since I was too young to do any of this anyways so like they get it and like it was cool to come full circle with like that and the vi stuff and then the five finger death punch shows in 2019 were really cool because like my uh, my stepdad is like way into five finger death punch and like got to get them like sick you know tickets and like they get all they got all drunk and wasted and there's like pyro going off i got to like bring them backstage and like we were at the stadium where like uh i don't believe it was Maybe that one wasn't built yet, but it was kind of cool because it was in Lincoln. And my first concert that I ever went to with my parents was in Lincoln to see like Motley Crue. <laughs> that was that pinnacle you were at. I actually worked the load in like the day before and did some of the prep load in for that day. Oh, yeah. And didn't end up working the show, so we didn't get to see each other. But yeah, it was just like, oh, Randy's going to be here tomorrow. Oh, like, do you guys need extra help? And they're just like, no, nah, we're good. It's like, damn it. <laughs> it's so funny yeah. how everything is interconnected like that. Like, Dude, well, Thing was it's even crazier at that show in particular in Lincoln. Uh, Nathan Richardson was bringing out a merch run for uh, for KJ Wallen. He's one of the rhythm guitar players for Breaking Benjamin. He like Nathan Richardson has been doing merch for his like solo project. So like we're kind of interconnected into that world also. So like I saw Nathan that day, and just like more homies doing sick work you know <laughs> yeah nathan so, richard nathan richardson is definitely someone we'll have on the podcast here soon he's dude, oh yeah absolutely yeah he's a legend yeah. dude legend yeah that's true. Um, yeah i don't know i guess maybe to continue on like the how to start from nowhere and get somewhere like a big point to touch on as far as like having any kind of success like in the music world as like a visual artist i think is the perception of like an event being big and popping and exciting like you were kind of touching on and like where i started getting really busy was after reaching out to intervals press contact he was also a booking agent he immediately saw the value in like daily content that's like you know curated for the artist to make it look bigger and better than it is whether you like it or not like you can make 300 people look like 600 etc so like yeah I started, I started getting in with booking agents and that's how i got like I would just send them my calendar and I'm like, what artists do you have on the road? Fly me out. And like, that's how I was just kind of hopping between tours like 2016 through 2018 before I got with like set artists basically. But yeah, it's such but, a good, it's such a good point, Randy, <clears throat> for all those like really young entrepreneurs or photographers that are out there. It's such a good point. If you are trying to like make your shit look popping, make it look like there's a million people there. Make it look you create compelling content is what I'm trying to say. Like that's that's the thing that you've always done. You always you've had a knack for is being able to like put your eye to your camera and be like, this is it, this is it, this is it. Like and it, being able to do that like in like a corner stage where there's one overhead light and like <laughs> Yeah, as a comments, you made you made so many careers pop out just from the content that you created at the comments. It's it's crazy to look back and look 
at the power that your photography had in that era on the bands that you shot at the Cummins. It's, I, I think mean, it's, it's an yeah. integral part for any for any band that's touring nationally at that level in the Midwest. It was a rite of passage to come through and get your photos taken by Randy. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, I'm, thank you, man. I mean, it was just like, it was just as much of an honor to be shooting like every band that came through that like I was a big fan of, but then seeing them play to like, however many people on the floor in Omaha, like I get how hard of a grind that is and how dope it is to have like sick photos of you. And like, you're driving to the next city and you're like, damn, I can like remember that kind of. So like, that was kind of always in the back of my head is like, I'm trying to hype up these other people that I think are already hype. But then, I don't know. I mean, it all goes around, you know what I mean? Do you find that like having that, you know, trying to look for the perspective where it looks the best or, you know, it tells the best story for the artist. Do you find that you're more present trying to capture those moments around you, even outside of photography, even do you, do you find yourself like seeing a moment and be like, Oh, I wish I would have had the camera ready to go for that. I, I do. Yeah. I love looking at the world as like scenes or passing images, man. I, mean, I think it helps like to look at the world in like a kind of different perspective, like something that's in the back of my head now, I don't know why this is coming to my head now, but I remember when Kanye was doing like the yay tour where he was like on the huge fucking metal thing that got like dropped through the fog. And so his lighting designer for that tour designed the lights for my buddy's venue 1720 that I was mentioning, like his laser designer. And their whole shit in mind was like, we want every person that comes here and shoots with an iPhone to be able to take like an artistic photo. Whereas if you're at the commons, you don't have access to like a million dollars in production. So like you have to like storytell with it, you know? So, yeah. You had to use $6 can lights from Walmart and string up. I remember getting stoked when like Oceana would have like sound sensitive lights in their cabs or whatever it would be, you know, like just anything to change it up. Really. Who was Dude, it, was, had... it was super difficult because <clears throat> that place was not set to have an extreme light show in it because not only were we placed on 13th street, you just couldn't do it. People that were driving past on 13th, which if you live in Omaha, you know, is a very, very busy street in, in South downtown. And it's, if you drove past there at night and you had lasers pointing into your eye as you were driving, you probably would either drive into the donut stop or, or worse, you know? I mean, yeah, you probably wouldn't even get like approved by the city just with the way that building was. Okay. We We were never approved by the city for (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. That, those were better times, arguably, I guess. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We did what we wanted when we wanted then. That was a free-for-all for sure. Yeah. Um, okay, so, Randy, for all of those people out there that don't understand what what a normal day looks like for a photographer on the road, can you just give me, like, a breakdown of what happens when you wake up on your bus in the morning when you're on tour and then between waking up and going to bed at night, what happens in a normal day? Oh man. I mean, it's, it really, it's so different, right? Like for me, it's like, I have to look at like North American touring and then like European touring or whatever. That's like where it tends to be. Like, thankfully I've gotten to do like an Asian Australian tour where it's just like sightseeing all day. And then like we go to the venue and just load up immediately on stage and play a quick show. And then we go out again, you know, and like try to just be out as much as possible if uh if i'm in the states and i have unlimited phone data like truthfully i'm just on my phone a lot 
uh, because it's just like, I'm going to go to Starbucks and get coffee. Like, I don't know. Um, it kind of gets monotonous, but I guess there is a lot of really cool, interesting things that go on now that we can look back at it. So like, ideally, if you go out on a tour with an artist, like you kind of show up for pre-production and like meet everyone and like meet the crew that you're going to be living with and like have a day or two to like get, feel out how comfortable people are going to be in front of the camera or having you have a camera out all the time or who you're going to be like getting candids of and who you're going to have to like ask to go get photos of or, you know, things like that. And just kind of feeling out the personality side of it. Cause you're going to be living with these people and working with them 24 seven. Like you're not really paid an hourly thing. You're just kind of on call 24 seven, you know, like maybe not so much if you're stage crew, like you have like your hours where you got to be on and then you're chilling and then you got to tear down. But like, I guess photo video, you're kind of like, if the artist is going out to do something cool, you should probably go and get some candids for their socials or like you got to like film for your content or this or that. So you're kind of just like, I always have a camera on my neck or like on the table next to me. And, you know, basically you wake up, thankfully touring, usually you don't have to wake up early. Like there's not like a morning call if you're photo video. Cause like I'm, my job is mostly reliant on the artist. So like whenever the fuck they're up and most of the time they're up way later than anyone else. Like Lucky usually, you know you know just uh, it's it's probably it's i mean honestly after you play a show to like a bunch of people like i I assume it's like a huge rush so there's there's no chance like i would go to bed directly after that you know so like i totally yeah like the the adrenaline side of it let alone any other factor like the social aspect of it and then like you're just like drinking or whatever and like you're kind of just up right and it's fun usually i mean a lot of times i do just want to go to bed like you want to go to bed after you're working all day and like you don't get to necessarily do that because it's not like your bed like you still get to hear everyone all the time but like you have a door between you and everyone so you get a little bit of space but yeah normal i mean normally wake up and kind of see who's up and who's doing stuff who's going where just to like see if i'm gonna be shooting candids in the morning like i don't know it really depends on the artist too right like if i'm out with like plenty or like intervals like they're down to like go out and like fucking throw football randomly and it's like funny though because it's like australian dudes throwing footballs around and it's like immediately funny but like when i was out with five finger death punch like i was like rolling with a different band on a crew bus so i'm like three degrees of separation from the artist kind of until it's like showtime or whatever so like it's a little less like involved on the personal level but like wake up be around and then like when it's getting close to like setup time like i'll normally grab like a time lapse or like i'll get some shots to like the crew because like i like to get shots of the crew homies too like they have shots to like send back to their family and just like validate that they're out here on the road fucking working you know like the unsung heroes truly so yeah, like big appreciation like to tommy you know tommy. <laughs> Hell yeah. dude like yeah. people like i don't think enough people understand that that like there's like carpentry jobs on the road and it's like imagine busting your ass all day and then sleeping on a fucking piece of plywood with like some foam bro like it it's not easy man yeah it's it's a grind but it's something we all love and accept at the same time but it's also like like you're kind of saying that the photographer is a different beast on tour than a lot of other roles and on bigger camps like that's something a lot of people don't realize is on like these arena shows like the five finger death punch one you went on like how many people were on that tour? Like how many buses do you guys have? I guess I don't, I don't remember the scale. It's probably like five, six buses at least for the well, whole tour. So, so five, for five finger alone, I can't say specifically, but I would say roughly four or five buses. And then like 
four or five semis for production and then like yeah. like same for the next co-headliner and then like yeah two buses yeah, dude it would be like 12 to 15 buses for a tour yeah so like on some of those smaller ones obviously it's more intimate everybody co-mingles everybody's kind of each other's shit but like on those bigger ones like you said those degrees of separation between the artists and the crew below them can be pretty big but the photographer kind of gets to you know wiggle their way through that because they're, yeah. they're there to tell the story of the artist's experience on tour they're there to show that to the fans and share those moments on stage and off um and yeah just in some of those those bigger camps like who are some artists you know that you're that you had fun working with but they were still on a level where like you were getting closer than most people got to uh I think first that comes to mind is Three Days of Grace. They're like the nicest dudes of all fucking time. Like, uh, they're just all like Canadian boys. Like the their current singer and their uh, bass player are brothers. So there's like this kind of like brotherly love vibe going on. Like, super chill. Like they're all chill is the only way I can really describe it. Like they all drink. Like their guitar player Barry, he's my boy. He drinks like two bottles of wine a night, and we smoke a bunch of weed and get real fucked up. But like have a good time and like just so funny because he's like an older dude that's like he moved from canada to indiana to become like a part-time sheriff of a town and like shoot guns and shit but then like <laughs> plays guitar in three days grace like it's they're just some of the best dudes and like they really like made it feel like they were bringing in someone into their touring family and they're also an artist that i've worked with that is still doing arenas but also is aware of the fact that they were bigger at one time than they are now like we used to have three or four buses and semis for production and pyro. And now it's like band and crew on one bus, like one 12 bed bus, and then like a semi for their production gear and shit. So like, it's a real close knit vibe. And like, you got to fucking get along to be on the same bus with everyone. And that doesn't really happen. Like with five finger death punch, all I can really say is I signed an NDA and I've never done that with a band before. So that can speak to how different the experience is on the road compared to three days of grace is like, what do you need at any time? Like financially food wise, like, do we need to be more quiet? Like do we do literally anything? Like they're always like, so like they want people to be comfortable and happy and like, that's awesome. Appreciated. So like that doesn't always happen, but that was definitely my cushiest touring experience of all time. And I'll probably never get an experience like that. Cause I did a few runs with them with five finger death punch and then like bad wolves and breaking Benjamin. And those tours were stressful. Cause I got the day of the first show I was working for bad wolves. And then I got hired to work for the package and had to like renegotiate, which was sick. But then I had to work for four bands for like 11 weeks instead of one. So like it was an intense fucking workload. And in the middle of my first five finger tour, I flew out to shoot the John Petrucci camp. And then I had to fly back. And then like keep shooting the tour and edit like all this content at the same time. So like it was, I was in the phase of I'm taking on fucking everything that I possibly can. And then that got real stressful. And then I continued on with Three Days Grace, just working for them. Um, we did two runs with Disturbed. And that was like the cushiest, easiest touring experience in my life, dude. Because we, we did Madison Square Garden and like the Forum in LA and like just the two bands. So like each band got a side of the arena dressing rooms for dressing rooms. So, like I have my own dressing room and shower every day, like, huh. uh, like my own, like, you know, wall long mirror and shit with like the beauty lights. And like, I had like all the outlets to charge all my shit and like a table to set up my gear and then like video gear over here and then computer. And like, you know, we're, we're on you 
doing your hair in front of that mirror for some reason. It was the funniest fucking thought I've ever had. Just you like, yep. <laughs> Gotta look good, man. Gotta look good. Behind yeah, or that, that was just like the that felt like the most legit shit. Like I was getting paid like exactly. They're like, "What do you want to get paid?" You know, and you get to say, it, and they're like, "Okay." And like the catering is bomb, and it's like these big venues that are like bucket list and you know, my own dressing room and like I'm still separate from the other bands, but the bands are so chill that we were kind of bummed. We're like, we want to hang and we're like on the opposite sides of this fucking arena. And like, that doesn't happen. Whereas with other tours, it's like, I can't be far enough away. So like, I don't know. Um, being able to experience that, it's kind of like, that makes me miss it because I want to be back to that. But then it's just like, I can't even think about it because it was like too good. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, you get to do a job that like you want to do. And it's like, you're being taken care of and have your space it's like i really almost couldn't ask for anything else like we had a bunch of time off like it would be three or four shows on and then like three days off a week and like you're making enough money to where like you could afford to like fly home in that time and like see your girlfriend and shit and then fly back and like don't really have to like worry which it's funny to go back to like losing money on every show and paying 20 bucks to go on the mega bus to lose money on a tour and then it was at a point where i was like i could fly home once a week right now right and, like, so it was it was cool and it was like a big workload to get used to and I'm kind of concerned about when it comes back because I haven't been shooting a lot this year truthfully like I mean I've been doing a lot of editing work but like every time I pick up my camera lately it kind of feels a little foreign for a day or two yeah. and like, oh, this is weird dude and like I don't know getting back into the workload of being on the road for 11 weeks like shooting for five or six hours straight a day like it it was a lot dude and like I oh no like, I feel you changing as a person from who i was then already just being home for almost a year straight now like yeah i'm going through like the same thing just literally moving around my body like what i do is so physically demanding on the road like you have to be able to lift 75 to 100 pounds usually by yourself put it on top of like some trussing or something if you're doing lighting like lifting cases upstairs like it is such a physically demanding job. And like you said, for the past year, I haven't really been doing a lot compared to what I normally would do. So I've lost like, not that I was like ripped or anything before. I've never been a muscle head, but like I've noticeably lost a lot of muscle just from not doing my day-to-day -day job of like moving heavy shit all day. And I'm like, oh man, these first shows back are gonna be, like we did a, a shoot in November and like I worked for a week and I was just like, you know, like, breath bringing in the back line i was like how the fuck did i move a whole ass like video production as well like on that first or on the last I mean, a like, lot of it is the adrenaline of the show i think and also being i mean it's a tough job but normally you're getting compensated like what is fair like there's yeah. not really an industry standard it kind of comes down to so many factors to like where you can be compensated for that work and like you're willing to put up with it and it's still better than like Customer service, dude. Like, there, I don't know. there is no industry standard in the music industry. Um, I'm just gonna put it out so there. Great. There is none. It varies. Every artist yeah. thinks every artist thinks they have complete control. Every person that works in the music industry thinks they have complete control, and that does not stray from promoters or or uh, stagehands and production managers like Tommy or photographers like Randy. Like we all have our own agenda, so there is no yeah, there is no there is no uh, industry. You know, standard. different artists have different values, and then like in my experience working with like a band like Animals as Leaders, they've gone through like two different management companies. While like at one point I was like on like essentially a salary for them, and then like now they're on different management, and like um, 
it's interesting like knowing the band's intentions and what they think is cool or what's going to work but then they get management and then it either puts them in a direction this way or this way and how that can influence certain things but like i mean ultimately yeah you got to go with the flow in this industry so like yeah that's the base yeah. don't fight the the flow is definitely a lesson to be learned if you're yeah. going because well, then it's kind of <laughs> yeah, like pretty sure it's kind of <laughs> like a uh limitless cap to what's like possible if you remove the cap from it though i mean you can get into some dumb shit and some weird situations and i've been on tour with people where i'm just like dude we have nothing in common like i'm literally only here for the paycheck but the, i don't know i'll put up with it because it's a good paycheck but like well how about it, how about how about this question <clears throat> we can get into the some of these questions that we have written down here but i mean how is photography kind of shaped your view of the world not only just the touring world but like the business world as well i mean you've you've been through a lot you've negotiated a lot you've really you know made yourself a career as we've said so i mean how does photography really shaped you know all that you view i mean it's literally my entire worldview at this point i think um i just like it's been my only means of income since I've needed to have income really so like 17 or 18 years old like I just got my first like quote-unquote like job ever last week driving for DoorDash because I need to make some money to like pay off my car work but otherwise it's always been photography income and it's always been able to you know like kind of support and like it's it's sick but it's hard because photography to a lot of people can be like a hobby or a passion and then you start putting the pressure of money and negotiating and business emails and this or that but like it's gotten me into a lot of situations and it's made me step into the shoes of like a business artist manager or something something and like I've been having this conversation with a lot of the artist managers that I stay in touch with um because they'll like for example like the band spirit box they keep hiring me to like do like they they put out like a coffee box set last month fucking sick band by the way they're so sick and like they put out coffee last month they're putting out some more like smoking accessories soon we're gonna do some more so like these bands are like doing these products and then like their artists realize like their managers realize that like these bands are a brand and you know the media elevates the brand and then they can make money and they can make like good money selling just products related to the band right now while they can't tour and then like more specifically to the touring side of it, I've been talking to these same agents, I guess, if you want to call them agents, whatever people about like, dude, when tours come back, I know that like, just in my personal experience, the band I was going to be out with when our, when the world shut down animals as leaders, they had like a gigantic merch order show up at the venue and it's like sitting in a storage unit still with like tour dates on it, you know, that like can't be sold unless it's like relic or whatever. Cause it's the tour that didn't happen. But like, I can't wait for all that merch to to start coming out. It's, some of it already is. We have some Canadian shirts that, yeah, got printed before we could cancel them. Luckily, we were able to cancel most of it. But yeah, we have some Canadian shirts with the dates, and it's like, I mean, it's, this is a cool it's, piece of history. It's, it's going to be a phenomenon, it's, dude. It speaks to how crazy that whole time period was because I remember we were in the midst. We were at the midst. <clears throat> Tommy, before you left for your first grandson tour of the year, you know, we were in the midst of a intense February run where we were gone doing eight hour drives pretty much every weekend. And <clears throat> prior to that last weekend we did in Lawrence at the last weekend of February, you know, I had placed a merch order as well for emo night. Like I had like 
$6,000 worth of merch coming to me and it's still sitting. It's still mm-hmm. sitting in like a storage unit. Like I have it, so many friends in that situation, dude. It fucking sucks. Yeah. It, it, That's it the sucks. only thing I could be it thankful for. Blows. Like the only thing I could be thankful for is that I was on the photography side of it and not the musician side or someone that was like a little more invested in it. Like as far as having a merch order show up day one of the tour that canceled, like I feel so bad for my dudes because like that's just such a huge burden to take on. And like, yeah, it's um, this is a conversation I've been having with a lot of like these my buddies that are like in control of like, you know, these bands and like their money and their image and this or that. And I'm kind of worried about like these bands that are sitting on debt and then when shows come back, are they going to have money to hire extra crew? And then it's interesting to get viewpoint from the like managers and people such like that, but like, they're like, dude, that's like the first thing. Cause like these shows are going to be socially distanced and weird when they come back and it has to look sick to sell people, to get people out of their house again. So like, I'm so in between because I'm like, I know all these people are broke and like coming back to touring in my head, it would be really hard to justify hiring crew, but it's like, they're going to need it. And it's got to be sicker than ever to compete with everything that's going to be going on. Everyone's going to be going ham and it's got to look sick because it's probably going to be socially distanced and it's going to look weird in reality. So like, you got to make it look cool. So like, I've, I've, it seems to be leaning more towards like, when shows come back, people are going to be more reliant on media than they even were before, which for me seems good. So like, I'm trying to, hold yeah, if, if you're in the, but... yeah, if you're in the content making industry, I think this is going to be like, <clears throat> this is going to be the most busiest time of your life. You know what I mean? And then it's for true. everybody, for everybody else, it's going to be, Hey, how the fuck are we going to compete with each other? You know, like who has the most money, who has the best ideas. And you know, those are the people that are going to flow to the top, you know? I think I mean, there are also going to be a lot of like, like bigger packages again. Like it's just inevitable. Like a lot, like with uh, everybody coming back to the market at once. I mean, who knows? I mean, who knows though? Because there's not going to be there's not going to be enough money to go around to, for a, a big package for five bands. Like you know, know unless people right? are going to be. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is like there's not going to be enough money. Share, with, yeah, right. Share production. Share like it's going to be a lot of sharing again. And like. Sure. Sure. And like like we've been saying this whole time, boosting each other up. Like I think, and I hope it's that way. It's not going to be this like we're here. This yeah, is the, the area we're carving out. Fuck you. You know, yeah. I don't want it to be I think clicky. It's be I don't want it to be clicky. Yeah, I hope everybody. You know, oh, like you guys want to do this tour? We can provide this side of it. If you guys can provide this side of it, kind of thing. Like I think it's going to be a lot of that because yeah, like you're saying, like so many camps have taken such a huge blow over this whole thing that yeah coming back who knows who knows who's going to come out of it financially or even just like the emotional stress that's gone through like i know oliver tree we were supposed to do a tour with him in like november or something of well i guess now last year <laughs> jesus but uh yeah he he like retired like he was just like yeah I, i've spent five years on this and it all fucking crumbled in front of my eyes i can't do that again like and it's understandable like it's something that I'm struggling with even of like, you know, we have worked our whole careers towards this thing and it's not guaranteed. Like, and that's something that was never, never even in the back of your head really. And we're told to you and it was like, go chase your dreams. Well, Well, you know what you just said it though. Like it needs to be in the back of your head and like, the resilient ones which tend to gravitate towards the fucking field that we're in like we'll have that knowledge and just harness it so like like the real ones will be around dude and you know like if if like other people 
leave like that's kind of like what happens inevitably anyways and like it's also definitely understandable given circumstances now and it's not like it's a bad thing if you are not going to be a musician full-time or try to be an artist full-time but it's possible and it's like like it's been possible during the hardest year after i was having my best year last year and like it's possible for people to start now like my my girlfriend just quit her job in well last january last february and started wedding photography and like now has a career in it during the pandemic year it's like a year to like fucking reinvent yourself because like the entire simulation is crumbling i don't know dude like however you want to look at it but it's like everything's fucked and you can just like reestablish. it's crazy because you're totally right (laughs) like i i think it's it's so it's so crazy to think about how i'm saying this on behalf of all three of us but i feel like all three of us were peaking you know what I mean? Like we were all, we were all doing crazy. We were all at the point where we all wanted to be after 10 years. You know what I mean? Like I had found my niche doing emo night stuff. We were, we were selling out shit. Randy was on the road with three days grace and the likes of every other band that is doing crazy shit in our scene. Tommy had his like picture perfect job and was building, building with a band that was growing at like a crazy rate. It's, it sucks. It sucks so bad to think about how we all had to step back and just be like, Okay. We all met our smart goals for quarter one. Q1 2020, man, the hell of a time to be alive, you know, that last 20 days of Q1 2020. But <laughs> I mean, I, my last show that I did was a sick one. It was like 3,000 people in Brooklyn and got to party with all the homies after. And then I swear I got COVID after that show, though. Like, Going from the venue to the hotel, I had the wall of fatigue hit me, and then I was back home sick for like ten days. Like, yo, so that's crazy. To okay, let's talk about this for a second because I, we all during that time period got sick. I got really sick during that time period, and I was with my grandfather after our last show in Lawrence. I decided to drive to uh, my hometown in Illinois, Central Illinois, and a day after leaving that, I, I got. I got to my grandpa's and I got sick. And I remember waking up that morning being like, yeah, I don't feel all that great. Walking into his office where he was watching the national news, watching the markets tank from COVID yeah. and everything. I'm like, like Do I? <laughs> yeah, no, for real. Yeah. And then he got really, he got really sick, really sick after oh, that. Man. So and this I, was like before they were testing and this was before right, there was any right. symptoms like, I'm really, I'm, if it wasn't COVID, I'm really thankful that, you know, if it was COVID, I'm really thankful that we did not, (laughs) we did not experience any, any setbacks in our family because I was with him for a week and a half, you know, and I was with, I was with a couple of his friends too that are in poor health, you know, and they all got sick too. So (laughs) I don't know. I really really don't know. It's scary shit. And I mean, I started having some, family issues like in July and I mean it wasn't COVID related thankfully but COVID restrictions as far as like seeing family members like my grandma passed away in July and uh I didn't get to see her at all this year so like that was really shitty you know and like part of it was like you can drive to Omaha but they're not going to guarantee that you can be let in the hospital when you get there you could just be on a fucking bench outside so like you know it's affected even people that don't have COVID or if it's not in your family. And then like, 
another big important person to me in my life, my guitar teacher, uh, Bill Roundtree, who he was my teacher at Russo's Guitar Center and then Deets Music uh, when Russo's closed. Uh, he passed away in Omaha, like, like a month before that. Um, and I didn't get to go to his funeral because of COVID. It was really weird. And it was just like something where like a lot of his fellow students and like coworkers were like really like shaping figures in me because like I would go to Russo's when I was like 10, 11 years old and like, you know, they like got me into music and would also kind of guide me and like this or that. So like it was a lot of people I wanted to see and like yeah, COVID has made it like made it the worst year that like, I've experienced in my adult life. <laughs> that was actually, yeah, I, I honestly kind of, it was something I meant to bring up, but yeah, I kind of forgot about, about Bill and, and that's another connect, random connection. I worked at Deets with Bill for five years. Um, when right, he dude. From yeah. yeah, it's just such a small world. And, and I would always see you there. Like that was when you were still taking lessons and oh, yeah, that's yeah. another thing we haven't, yeah, well, I guess we did touch on it. You were in Superior, obviously you're a shredder, but yeah, you, you were taking lessons from, yeah, one of the arguably best uh, guitar teachers in, in Omaha at the time and oh, dude, he was, such a loss to the Omaha music scene for sure yeah dude he was the best man I took lessons with him I can't really recall specifically because it was on and off but probably for a period of four or five years and like he was like a family friend essentially like my parents fucking loved him and vice versa yeah, so, like, and so talented dude like he made me the guitar player I am today which led to me being more passionate about music and knowing what I know to get my career like it dude yeah. I owed so much to him and it like it really did suck because like he died young he was like 46 47 years old from like organ failure dude so like it just so we're, fucked up yeah still terrible yeah. terrible loss um, yeah so yeah it's something it just, that like it was a really heavy summer regarding that man like yeah I feel you I had yeah that and then yeah fucking J-Mall and and I had a I had a cousin pass away in like a house fire which was like I went home for J-Mall's funeral but yeah the by the cousin like in november everything was at its peak in nebraska and yeah it's just like what do you do like you know your family's older it's not worth the exposure to them like, dude it's it's know. not worth it but i guess i i hit a point where i finally sucked it up and went to i think this was the first time that i traveled since the pandemic popped off was in july i went to omaha and flew um like to be essentially at my grandma's like funeral. It wasn't a funeral, but like a family get together and still yeah. that was small. And I felt real weird about that. Cause I was the only one flying in and like, I wore like an N95, like literally, you know, religiously the whole time until I was in my parents' house and shit and tried to minimize it. But like at a certain point I was like, dude, I'm used to being on the road all the time. And I've been in my house since March 12th and like all this loss, like I just want to be with my family, like sucked it up and went and like, you know, it was important to go and Oddly enough, though, like, it was weird being there and then, like, going to, like, the, the funeral home and then, like, all the staff there, like, there wasn't a mask mandate in Nebraska yet. And this was, like, the end of July. And then in Colorado, it had been like that since I had been forced to be home, like, in March. So, like, when that happened, like, in the back of my head at that point, I was like, maybe touring come back in the fall. But then I realized that outside of my state, like, it varies differently on, like, how they're enforcing this and there's no again there's no standard or guidelines really so like it, it kind of also made me realize that shit's fucked now and it's going to be fucked for a long time because like we're not on the same page regarding this shit and like it's crazy how a public health pandemic can like so specifically like eradicate like lines of work or like yeah you know like the event industry movie theaters like 
speaking on speaking on the five finger death punch tour where there's fucking 25 buses and then those bus drivers have a family that they got to feed and like dude it goes down the line there's so many people that are out of work and like have no end in sight like even just like the local you know like the people that aren't even on the road they're the the security workers at every fucking at every amphitheater you play or you know the the loaders the union loaders that are there or the local photographers that are taking pictures of the of the local band or the ticket ticket takers you know like there's so many people newspaper companies radio station interviews the cables are all struggling yeah but i think i think it's i think it's important to stop quick randy i'm sorry first off for your loss like it's 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 losing someone in this year and tommy's experienced an incredible amount of loss this year as well and i don't mean to speak for you tom but you have to be resilient in these times you know what i mean it's really hard to come to terms with but it's just the lay of the land you know and anybody who's had a loss this year knows what i'm talking about like i've I've had i've been very fortunate i've only had one you know people beyond me such as tommy (laughs) you know have had a lot more um and you're right in the sense that there are different sets of rules everywhere you go because i've i've split my time between three places this year st louis not just not this year because it's i guess we're in a new year but in 2020 i split my time between omaha my hometown and here in st louis so Mm -hmm. it's crazy to look at the city vibes versus the small town vibes because the small town people do not give a shit and it's an unfortunate reality of where we are spending my time right now or spending my time i spent about four months with my grandpa in central illinois i went to go take care of him for the last month he was there but like other than that the virus hadn't reached my hometown until like july or august of this year so i went there and just like hit out but people there don't give a shit and they they literally do not care they 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 would rather continue on with their normal lives rather than change what they're doing and it's scary how many people can be affected by the actions of few you know it's and and honestly i want to believe that our country is more so a country that um follows what is right rather than what is wrong but there are so many people that follow what is wrong that it it outweighs the people that are doing it the right way you know what i mean yeah and i i mean it's really easy to like look at people that live like in moline illinois or like whatever small town and like think that like this virus that's affecting like metropolises won't reach your town but like i can i can see how people would feel that way but a it's just not the way it works like a flight from China to San Francisco is like 19 hours and then it's here in North America. Like you can't do anything about it. So like, it's already out of your hands, you know, and it's been here longer than we thought initially, regardless, like, and you know, it, you basically already said it, like the actions of few can affect so many, like for me, as for me, as long as people want to say it's not real or it's being overplayed or it's a scandemic, it's very real for me because me and all the homies have been out of work for nearly a year. So is that's real, right? Like, yeah, I think especially now that we've passed into 2021, we really have to, you know, censor ourselves, you know, align ourselves with what we know is going to get our lives back into a normal spot. And it's really hard to accept that as reality, you know, especially for people who are based around an industry that is so social, 
you know, and it, well, that's, that's the sure. hardest thing about all of this, you know, not just for, for, for me, it's, it's being around my emo night community. You know, those people are so passionate and so consistent and so there all the time, you know, to have that just X'd out of your life so quickly is devastating. It's I mean, devastating. We're, we're, we're social animals, dude. And then we literally had it like shut off like a light switch. And it's now that we're coming up on a year of it, like we have to look at the social ramifications of this shit. It's not good. And like, I've caught myself even just being weird about like, I've shot one music video where I flew out to LA and shot a music video, like in beginning of December or something. And like, there was like six people there at the shoot and it just felt so fucking weird. And that's like, not cool. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's just not cool. Like we got to be used to like being around people. And when has the issue of health been at the forefront ever, like in anything other than healthcare. And like, now it's like, we have to be safe, but like, dude, I don't know. You can die in a car accident on the way to go to your urgent care to get tested for COVID. Like you can't really. Yeah. Like, you know, no, you can't I, really... especially as somebody who like in the touring world, like sickness is inevitable like when you live on top of each other like in buses if you're not familiar with how most tour buses are it is literally three bunks on top of each other in like four sections so there's 12 bunks and you're all crammed in and there's like our bus especially we were pretty cognizant of sickness um on a lot of tours just because you know like you try and keep like the bunks cooler so that germs can't like spread through as well and like things like that so it's like we already kind of had that or like just slamming vitamin C <laughs> packs and powder and pills, like that kind of stuff, like already um, was kind of there because like, yeah, if, if somebody gets sick on tour, everybody gets sick on tour. So, you know, yeah. we already kind of had some of that, but we also had like the acceptance of just like, well, we're probably going to get sick. Like fall tour, you're going to get sick at some point on it. I mean, tour aids and Namthrax, if you go to Nam conventions, like those are documented illnesses like that are accepted every winter like <laughs> it's it's crazy that like the industry has to be shut down over this you know what i mean like it's crazy that we can't like maybe be making moves towards like how can we do this safely and efficiently and it's just like destroying the industry and i know a lot of independent venue owners that have had to close already so like it's really fucked up every day every day i hear a new venue i mean that's... if you if you think we've reached the peak of your favorite venues closing you're no. so fucking wrong. You're they so fucking out wrong. All ones, and now the 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 icons are going to start falling, unfortunately. Unless so, yeah. Them. So let's talk about that for a second. <clears throat> so when we when we stopped doing shows uh, back in March, but we reached a period probably in May already where we the the contingency of venues that we visit for emo night has is already depleted. We're, we're having to, we're having, we're having to re-landscape our entire approach, you know, without knowing what the landscape will even look like. Exactly. (laughs) And like, we're, we still got at least 10 months, 10 months until we're even thinking about it, you know? And yeah, I've I've started, I've started to plan into June as, as early as June, but with how slow the rollout and the vaccine has been, there's not a chance. There's no fucking way. There's yeah. no way that we're going to be not going to happen. It's not With that I, attitude. I'm sure that but, summer yeah. two and 
scale. Summer two of the pandemic is going to be a lot different than summer one of the pandemic. Yeah. You know, there's going to be a lot more, there's going to be a lot more stuff that happens during that time period, but it's not going to be what it was in 2019. Exactly. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Yeah. The craziest year for me yet was 2019. Like, that was everybody's craziest year. Everybody thought 2020 was going to be the biggest, baddest year yet. Top to bottom, I did not speak to anyone who didn't, anticipate, like in January, it didn't anticipate them like crushing it in 2020. I, mean, I know. And I personally had really high hopes. Like, because 2019, let's see, we did the forum and then we did Madison Square Garden like January, February. And then in May, I did Red Rocks with Animals as Leaders and like Issues and I Prevail. And so to me, like after having been touring the same circuit for a few years, I was starting to just look forward to new venues or better venues. And then I kind of hit all my bucket list ones in about five months. And then like, I was like, dude, 2020 better be fucking crazy, dude. Like right. I was hoping for some more international stuff because I hadn't really done international stuff that I enjoyed since 2017, like 2018, 2019 was really stressful, shitty international touring. <laughs> so dude. Speaking of international touring, I just remembered something. Did you find what I hid for you in that Germany venue? Hamburg? Yeah. I looked. I didn't remember. It was, I, I didn't find it. It was like by a. Like a I hid like right. a grand yeah, Okay. No, back, yeah. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Explain what the fuck you're talking about because I have no idea so, what you're talking about. This is kind of the, one of the fun parts about touring. Like, if you're playing with a similar level band, like you hit the same roots, no matter what market you're in. So Randy, who were you out with on that? Was that an animals as leaders thing? Yeah. Animals as leaders and car bomb. Yeah. Oh, car bomb. That'd be fun. Um, <laughs> I had a blast on that. But uh, yeah, the, uh, the venue we played was this like bunker in Hamburg and yeah. I saw that there really an old military was, bunker. Yeah. It was an, an old Nazi, not military. It was yeah. like, Essentially, Hamburg had this building that was so fortified by the Nazis that they couldn't destroy it because it would have cost so much. So what they did was, what could we put in it that would piss off the Nazi party the most? An art space. So they put a venue, like a fucking studio. It was awesome. Such a cool venue. If you're ever in Hamburg, go to a show there. But Randy was supposed to be there like a week after we were. So yeah, what's this place called? Hold on, hold on. What's this place called? I don't even remember. If you look up Nazi bunker, Hamburg, Hamburg it will come up. I'm Hamburg sure. Nazi music venue. Okay, <laughs> continue your story. Go ahead. Yeah, so it it looks crazy. It's it's a huge brutalist architecture. Like it's it's insane. Four story fortress. Like you walk up on it, you're like, wow, this is weird that we're playing here, and they're gonna put like a chia pet on top of it. Um, uh, yeah, Ubel and Graf English or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Our German oh, director it, probably is that it? Hold on. Oh my god, yeah, that's it. Oh, holy shit, dude. This yeah, place is crazy. crazy. <laughs> Fuck. So, so metal, dude. I hid like because Randy always wears his hats, his dad hats. I just remember Randy with a dad hat. So I hid one of grandson's dad hats. Oh, the oh. Raptors I was looking that. for it. But it was also our last day of tour, and then we were flying out of Berlin oh, okay. at like 5 a.m. the next day, so we were just like scrambled all day. Right? Yeah, no, I totally understand. Well, hopefully that hat's still there, and next yeah, we'll door... just be in Hamburg again one day, and I'll get a hat. That'd be sweet. I'll just be like, yoink. Or if you're listening to this in Hamburg and can get inside that venue, <laughs> go up the spiral stairs, and it's in the rafters right above the spiral stairs. Yeah, it's such a cool this... venue. There's like the music store on the bottom level, and then like the spiral staircase on the side. Yeah. This yeah. is Did you crazy. Get a on the roof? 
did they let you up on the roof of it it was no, like but- construction we climbed that that was the crane still there did you park by the crane in that the little was up, yeah yeah we climbed that because they just yeah. let us park by it inside the so we climbed up that like tower crane and then the day of the show they let us like up on top of the the like bunker like and it was all under construction so they're like you're not supposed to be up here but we'll sneak you up so it was like dude this spot is fucking wild i i don't even know how to pronounce this but if if you look it up on google there's a ton of crazy pictures it looks like it looks like a to me it looks like an old russian building yeah it's very but it's like like it's not era like yeah it is the it's just concrete there's no windows. There's nothing. It is a concrete block in the middle of Hamburg, and they have insane shows there. It's such a fun place. Yeah, I miss international touring sometimes. Same. You get to see some cool shit, man. It's yeah, nice. and it's things like that where it's so weirdly commonplace at the same time that, like, the second that you're like, oh yeah, this, like, you forget that you're in a Nazi bunker because it's just another venue and it's here inside. So it's like. It's, you walk outside, you're like, oh, yeah, that's weird. And then you go back inside and you're like, back to a venue. So much history and learning while on the road. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Top. Yeah, that's what's it really cool about it, ultimately, yeah. I wanted to ask, you already kind of talked about your work since the pandemic, and this is mostly a shameless plug for you for your work. Um, I, I know you've been doing prints. I know you've uh, been trying to sell some, some photo uh, work. Um, do you want to just plug some of that? Talk about what your prints have been. Is it like I know it's not concert stuff, obviously, but um, yeah, yeah. What are you what are you shooting and trying to sell these days so that we can help you get some money in your pocket, pay for that catalog converter? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, yeah. So I mean, you know, 2020, I had a lot of time at home with like about. Let's see if I can do the math. I normally fill up an eight terabyte hard drive of shooting per year when I'm touring and shit like that. Damn. So I've, I've been going through like 20, 30 terabytes of photos and just kind of like compiling photos from literally all over the world, like just of my favorite photos of places I've gotten to go primarily on tour, but like a big thing I'd like to do on tour to get out of the monotony of the shows and the bus like we've been talking about is I'm in Paris today. Let me take an Uber here and take photos, dude. Like, And basically I have a catalog of all these like street photography and just photos out of bus windows like in Germany and um you know i've been compiling photos and i did a a really fun tour in 2017 in asia and australia with animals as leaders and that was essentially more focused on photography than the shows because we were just out going everywhere all the time so i have this stockpile and i've basically just been trying to pick images that i feel like would look cool above someone's bed or like in your living room or like a fire piece place or you know for christmas a lot of people got prints for their like parents you know like some more serene images so i've just been trying to like remember that photography is more than concerts and music ultimately and go back to the roots and you can take photos of anything and make you know look at the world outside out of your window and yeah see it's beautiful and basically i want to like get art into people's living spaces you know and to me that helps because i get to still use my camera so like it it's kind of sick. <laughs> Where can people find that stuff? Is it um, on your website through Instagram? Yeah, so uh, either through my Instagram, Randy Edwards Photos on Instagram, or uh, just my website is randyedwardsphotos.com. Uh, from there, you can see image galleries, and there's a print store link at the very top of the site, and uh, that'll link you to the, the print store where there's more galleries, and you can 
choose any kind of, you can kind of like mock up your own prints and see how they're going to look and order them. So basically I've been working on streamlining stuff like that on my end. So yeah, uh, that's really been about it. Otherwise, you know, waiting for shows, playing guitar. Right. Check out his stuff, buy some prints, help the homie out. Well, Randy, man, it's been good to yeah. talk to you, dude. Good to see your face. Good to hear your voice. Hope everything is, is uh, doing good out there in Colorado. Um, yeah. My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me, you guys. I look forward to like hearing other road homies talk on this podcast. I need to listen to Michael's. I'm probably going to listen to that today, actually. Do it. Yeah. It was it was a good talk. He's got a lot a lot of good good stuff about uh, new volume stuff coming up. If you're a volumes fan, like we all are, like we all grew up, you know. <laughs> loving that band so yeah through the trees dude <laughs> good shit good shit yeah, thanks guys I, I love you guys both equally and very much yeah randy thank you so much for being on uh it was an awesome conversation and hopefully while this year may not be the musical year that we want um hopefully your year still is bountiful and you know you find some new success within or outside of the uh the music world Dude, thanks, and you too. And I know we got to link up. We're in the same state now. So. Yeah, we'll have to. We'll have to have a little distance tang once the weather's a little nicer. I guess it's there's some nice weather coming up. <laughs> yeah, trip. Yeah, man. Um, I, we could stay in touch though. Let me know if we want to do a, a follow up or something, man. I'm down. I'm down to talk with you guys whenever. Yeah, we said. To okay, every- so okay, so what? What? Let's set the follow up here. Uh, once we're all back out on the road, we'll all broadcast from a separate place so from a green not room. in denver not in st louis not in pueblo <laughs> or all from the same place when we're all in the same package doing the same I'll, dude i'll take either of those and i hope both of them happen quickly because <laughs> yeah. yeah all right oh yeah thanks guys And that's our show. If you like what you heard on this episode and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe to our pages. You can find us on Apple, Google, and Amazon Podcasts, as well as Spotify. You can also find us on social media, too, at LeftOffPod on Twitter. And just simply search our name on Facebook or Instagram, the Where We Left Off Podcast. See you next time.